Hello again, Biathlon fans, and welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. And a special thanks to our Heartbeat sponsors, Aaron's the King of Snow, Maloya outfitting the U.S. Biathlon team, and Paul Smith's College offering education and sport training in the heart of New York's Olympic region. We are now on the eve of the IBU World Cup Biathlon season opener in Oosterson, Sweden. Athletes from both the World Cup and the IBU Cup teams have been training in Vuokanti, Finland the last few weeks with final preparation and team selection. The World Cup begins this weekend. Over the past few years, U.S. Biathlon has talked a lot about talent transfer as part of its long-term plan. Talent transfer is actually just a fancy way to describe enticing strong cross-country ski racers to pick up a biathlon rifle and give the sport a try. Last season, Crassbury Green skier Margie Freed turned heads when she qualified out of her first biathlon races to compete in the European Championships and the IBU Cup. In fact, her 19th in Obertiliac, Austria last February was the top U.S. season finish on the IBU Cup Tour. Margie grew up in the hotbed of the sport in Minnesota, competing in cross-country skiing and running along with track and field in high school. She skied collegiately for the University of Vermont, earning All-America honors and competing at three NCAA championships. From there, her career took her to Craftsbury, where the influence of others got her thinking about biathlon. In this episode of Heartbeat, Margie comes to us live from the team's training camp in Vuokati. A week earlier, she was racing Fisk cross-country in Munio above the Arctic Circle. This weekend, she'll head to Oosterson for her first World Cup. Then it's back to the USA, Alaska to be specific, for the opening races of the cross-country Super Tour. A big goal of hers this season will be qualifying to compete in the February 5th World Cup in her hometown of Minneapolis. In our conversation, Margie dissects the elements to which she had to adapt with biathlon, not only learning marksmanship, but also adapting her cross-country style. It's a fascinating look at entry to a new sport. And most of all, Margie Freed is genuinely having fun. Now let's head to Vuokati, Finland for our conversation with Margie Freed on Heartbeat. Margie Freed coming to us all the way from Finland today. Margie, welcome to Heartbeat. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So where are you today? Right now I'm in Vuokati, Finland. Uh, with the U.S. Biathlon team after our training camp uh, with the IBU Cup and World Cup teams. So as we record this, it is Monday of the week of the opening World Cup in Oosterson, Sweden. You got some good news this weekend. Yes, I qualified for the World Cup team, and so I will be following them over to Sweden, and it'll be my first Biathlon World Cup that I'll be competing in. Are you nervous? (laughs) Um, I would say I'm a little more excited than nervous. I am really grateful to have my GRP teammates, a lot of them along with me so they can kind of show me the ropes. And I'm hoping to not embarrass myself too much on the shooting range uh, compared to some of the really good um, sharpshooters out there. What's the learning experience that you'll take away from competing in Oostersund? I think that definitely being thrown in with people who are way better than you at whatever you're doing is a great way to make really strong improvements. So I'm hoping to just kind of take it all in there and learn from what they're doing, see what 
everybody else is doing and try and mimic that to lead me to success. It's a big week of racing over a period of a week. Do you know yet which events you'll be in? So for example, are you going to kick it off next Sunday in the 15K individual? I believe I will be doing all of the races that I uh, can do. So if I'm not sure about the relay or kind of what goes on there, but I'll take it as it comes. Cool. Tell me a little bit about the camp you've had in Fuakati. I know the entire team is there. It's been a great opportunity to prepare for the season. Give us a little bit of uh, maybe the day-to-day and what's been taking place at uh, Fuakati the last few weeks. Well, I actually came uh, straight here from Munio, Finland, which is way up north above the Arctic Circle. I was training with the GRP ski team up there for a couple of weeks before coming down to Bukati here and meeting the team partway through their camp. And so I was doing some ski racing up above the Arctic Circle, doing some fist races. And then I came down here to kind of dial in the biathlon side of things. And so we would wake up, do our training. I would especially focus on shooting just because I haven't done that as much. And that's my weaker side of things. And so I'd nail down some zeroing, do some range laps and get on to whatever workout I was going for that day. We'd have a short little break, not too much time, and then head out for an afternoon session just as the sun was setting about 4 p.m. Um, and then we'd have a team dinner, a team meeting and kind of wind down for the night, maybe add a sauna in there. You, you're bouncing back and forth a little bit, and we'll probably explore this a little bit more as we chat here. Uh, but was there anybody else up in Munio from the biathlon crew, or were you kind of the lone ranger? Uh, yes. Uh, my teammate, Michaela Keller-Miller, kind of joined me in this uh, little half-ski, half-biathlon vacation that we're doing. Have you been to Finland this time of year before? I have never been to Finland at all. So it definitely was uh, getting used to the early or the late morning sunrises and uh, early afternoon sessions to make it into the daylight time. It's a pretty magical place. Uh, and and I don't know, I've always loved it, whether it's being there for the uh, the midnight sun or, or the long, long dark days of darkness, but it's kind of a mystical place. Yes, for sure. I um, am really glad I brought along my clear lens glasses um, and seeing the sun kind of through the trees at an hour that I usually don't see them is pretty sweet. Well, let's take a look into your past. Uh, We're going to talk today a lot about talent transfer, and you grew up cross-country skiing in Minnesota. Give us an idea of how you initially got into cross-country skiing and developed a passion for it in in a place where it's a pretty popular sport. Right. It is uh, very popular there in Minnesota. So I started cross-country skiing when I was about 13 years old because my older sister had joined the high school cross-country ski team and I thought she was the coolest person in the world and I wanted to be just like her. So I also joined the cross-country ski team. Did it for my middle school team, Simley Middle School, and then I went to Eastview High School and competed there. And my coach was great at introducing me to the junior national Uh, circuit kind of so I could train with people in the greater Minneapolis area. And then I also got connected with Lopit Nordic Racing from there. I worked with Piat Bednarski and Caitlin Gregg there, and they were great at kind of showing me the ropes of 
national skiing and going to junior nationals there. Um, so then I realized I could ski in college from that. And so I went to the University of Vermont and then to Craftsbury from there. Uh, going back to Minnesota, let's talk a little bit about the culture of the sport there. You rattled off some amazing names uh, of coaches and mentors. The culture of the sport in Minnesota is really rich and deep, isn't it? It really is, especially going to the Berkey Trails. It's really sweet to see the community that is Nordic skiing in the Midwest. I, especially during college, love to come home for the holidays when we had our school break. And even if there wasn't a lot of snow in the cities, we could go to Highland or Worth Park and there would be a little section of made snow. And I knew I would always see somebody I knew out there on the trails, regardless of the time or day or if I planned to meet people out there. I knew that I would see people from my community out there. You touched on this a little bit, but was there a particular point in your career, and this may have even been pre-high school, where it kind of clicked and you learned about the competitive opportunities and you kind of put your mind to becoming a cross-country ski racer? I definitely think it clicked in college, actually. In high school, I ran cross-country. I ran track and field. I was also playing club soccer, and so I kind of was this multi-sport athlete and didn't choose cross-country skiing as my only sport then. So once I started only cross-country skiing in college was when I was like, okay, this is my thing. I am a cross-country skier. How did you pick UVM as a college? When I was looking at colleges, I wanted something that had good academics, good athletics, and then a good overall social scene and kind of in a unique place. And so uh, UVM seemed to have all of that. And I knew that if it wasn't the right fit, I could always change. And I also kind of wanted to try something new. So not really spending much time in the East, I thought that that would be a great opportunity. Cool. What other schools did you look at? I looked at the University of New Hampshire and then a couple in the Midwest. So Northern Michigan and Scholastica. And of the different decision points for you in picking a college, how far up the list was cross-country ski racing? I pretty much at first only looked at schools that had cross-country skiing as an option because I figured it would be a unique experience and a fun thing to try out. And as I said before, I knew if I didn't like it, I could change. I tried to go, go for a team that had room that I could improve on that team, as well as not feel like I was overwhelmed there. And um, it seemed like it had a good team culture. Well, you picked a great school, and I think you were a part of three NCAA teams at UVM, right? Correct. Yeah, I was fortunate to always have people to chase on the team, so I liked kind of not being the best one all the time. From there, you moved on to Craftsbury, and how did that initial connection work? We, as a UVM team, went to Craftsbury for training camps and races all throughout my career in college. So I was familiar with the area, but when I was looking at professional teams, Craftsbury, I really liked the financial support side of things and the green side of things, how they kind of focus on more than just skiing. There's a community and sustainable element to the team, but I was a little intimidated by its rural area that it was in and just what I had heard about the team that they had 
mice in the walls. They didn't have Wi-Fi. They only knit for fun. And so I was a little intimidated hearing that. And then talking on the phone with the, the ski coach, Peppa there, she was, she's Bulgarian and very straightforward with and direct with how she talks. So I was kind of nervous about that talking to her. I remember when she emailed me that said, okay, you have a spot on the team. I, and she said, okay, we'll give you through the end of the week to decide. And I said, okay, great. Like, I'll take it all in, like, see if I want to do this team. And I think the next day she emailed and said, I'm not sure this is going to be a good fit since you haven't emailed me back. And I was thinking, oh, it's been one day. What have I gotten myself into? What is this coach like? And so I'm really glad that um, now since I've decided to actually join the GRP um, and gotten to know Peppa, that she's actually very forgiving and not as hard headed as, as she seems in her emails. Uh, were there any athlete mentors so that you looked at that were kind of helping encourage you to go to Craftsbury? I had a teammate that I met at UVM, Lena Sutro, who now skis for the SMST2 team, who trained for Craftsbury as a U23 athlete in the summers. And so she gave me a lot of inside input on the GRP there. And so she was going to plan to be there that summer. So I figured, okay, at least I'll have one friend there that I can kind of follow around for my first summer there. There's always fear of anything that is unknown. And once you settled into Craftsbury, it really was a remarkable experience for you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I Just seeing how dedicated all the athletes are and how understanding the coaches are, how willing they are to work with everybody's unique um, schedules and what works for them, and especially all of the data that they do, all the testing that they do. And all the opportunities that are offered with Craftsbury, I really appreciate. The atmosphere of being amidst a pretty good-sized group of top athletes must also be motivating. Yes, of course. It's really sweet to have. Um, we've had a really strong women's team all the years that I've been there, um, whether it be actual athletes on the team or U23 athletes, um, as well as some training partners. It's really awesome to have that group. Let's look back over the last few years, and you've had good results over the last few years, but for sure last season, I think you'd have to say was a real breakout for you. What were the things that you were doing with the program at Craftsbury that helped to lead you to having such a strong season last year, and and not just in biathlon, but also in cross country? I think that um, after many years of working on my technique, it kind of all came together there as well as having a lot of training hours under my belt is definitely very beneficial. We're going to explore that more. We're going to take a short break right now on Heartbeat. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about that really star-studded season last year that Margie Freed had. We'll be right back on Heartbeat. In each episode, Heartbeat brings you insightful stories about one of the most exhilarating of all Olympic sports, U.S. Biathlon thanks each of its sponsors that help us bring you each and every episode of the Heartbeat Podcast. Maloya is the official apparel provider of U.S. Biathlon. Thanks to Maloya, our team is outfitted in high-quality, beautiful apparel and race gear. Not only does the U.S. Biathlon team stand out, but we race in comfortable, breathable suits that inspire confidence. Check it out at MaloyaClothing.com. As an official sponsor of U.S. Biathlon, Aarons is committed to supporting the growth of the sport in the USA. 
The so-called King of Snow is a global leader in snow removal equipment that keeps facilities and courses clear for training and competition. The Aarons Nordic Center in Brilliant, Wisconsin is an official U.S. Biathlon National Training Center, further proving Aarons' commitment to growing biathlon in America. You can learn more at AaronsNordic.com. As the official education partner of U.S. Biathlon, Paul Smith's College takes pride in the programs that it has established to offer athletes a college education and sports-specific training, all nestled in New York's Adirondacks. Its reputation and standing as a college aligns with U.S. Biathlon's goals to support collegiate biathletes as they strive for both academic and athletic success. From an outstanding trail network to its eight-point biathlon range, Paul Smith's College is a great environment for athletes who want a small college located in a sports-centric region. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Heartbeat. And we're back on Heartbeat with Margie Fried coming to us live today from Vukati, Finland. And Margie, before the break, we talked a little bit about that breakout season that you had last year, the role that Craftsbury had played leading up to that. We've we've talked a lot within U.S. Biathlon about talent transfer, crossover from cross-country to biathlon. You are really one of the best examples of that. Can you talk through last season from the perspective of how biathlon changed for you and the opportunities that you were able to achieve uh, starting with the trials in December and then leading to what was somewhat of a storybook season. As I've said before, I'm really grateful for the support and opportunities that Craftsbury provides. And one of those being the opportunity to try biathlon as a cross-country skier. So there is a biathlon range, there is a biathlon team. And so it was very easy for me to kind of get exposed to that sport. I was able to borrow a rifle for the first trials that I did. And that kind of led me into where I am now. And thankfully, all the coaches kind of worked with me to figure out a plan for shooting and um, a lot of dry fire when I'm uh, cross-country ski training mostly. And then I can add in a bit of dry fire there. So I'm able to work through that because of the support that Craftsbury has given me. Coming from uh, as a cross-country skier to biathlon, it's pretty interesting to kind of see how The skiing changes a little bit. It's more like doing intervals rather than just a ski race where you're trying to go hard all the time and, oh, you feel bad about kind of slowing down here and there. Whereas biathlon, you have to be very strategic about when you're going fast and then slowing down, kind of calming your body as you go into the range. Um, That's a really interesting change, which I think has helped me as a skier in ski races, doing that transition back from biathlon to ski racing. Did the coaches help to prep you for those little differences? Like, I wouldn't have thought about that on the cross-country skiing park, but I love your analogy with it's more like interval work. Did somebody prep you for that before you got into the into the race? Definitely the coaches helped talk me through, okay, like, you shouldn't be just going as hard as you can right until the range, which, I mean, yes, you should be going fast, but you kind of calm everything and do everything a little more smooth as slow, slow as fast or whatever that saying is, um, a couple hundred meters before the range starts. So they kind of talked me through that. But a lot of the experience I got just was from doing multiple biathlon races and figuring out for myself what my body can handle and what I can realistically do. 
I know as with everything in sport, it's a little bit physical, it's a little bit mental. So relative to the cross-country skiing, the nuances of the changes, is is it more physical than mental or how much does the mental side play into that? It's very mental within the range, um, within the range of the shooting procedure and all of that. And then kind of once I leave the range and I strap on the poles again, then I switch it back to physical. And any sport is mental because you're pushing yourself and you have to kind of keep thinking, okay, I have to go hard, hard, hard. But the mentality switches to more of a cross-country skier side of things once I leave the range. Um, I kind of just turn back on that, okay, I'm in a ski race, I should go fast. And then as I come back into the range, I switch the mental side of things to the shooting. On the shooting side, had you used a rifle before Was this, or was this your first experience? Uh, Biathlon was my first experience um, with any firearm. And so it was pretty interesting to get used to that and say, okay, this is a sport with a real weapon and um, learning all the safety procedures there was very interesting. As you go back and forth now between cross country and biathlon, Talk about the balance that you need to find, and maybe this one is a little bit more mental, but one weekend you might be in a biathlon mindset, the next weekend you might be in a cross-country mindset. How do you juggle that? Now that I've done a lot of biathlon, I kind of think cross-country skiing is easy. The The race day is very simple and straightforward, so I don't have to do any zeroing. I don't have to do any rifle check. I don't have to think about my shooting procedure before. It's kind of just go. I find it mentally stimulating to switch between the two. So I kind of don't get stuck in whatever I'm doing one or the other. But then once I jump from skiing to biathlon, it is a big change to see or for my mentality to be like, okay, there's all these other things I have to remember. And so I'm really grateful for my teammates that I can just follow around and just do what they have to do. Have they been pretty welcoming to you? Oh, yes. I am so grateful to have them all here. Um, The GRP, like familiar teammates, is really nice. And then all the biathletes who are full time on the U.S. team or whatever and not on the GRP are still welcoming. And I think that they find the energy that um, I can bring from or the knowledge that I can bring from cross-country skiing. Um, We can kind of share, share opinions and knowledge there. As you've been making this transition, have you looked to the stories of other cross-country athletes internationally who've made the transfer over to biathlon or talked to any of them? I haven't talked to anyone internationally, but um, I've talked to Deidre Irwin and Claire Egan, who kind of started off cross-country skiing and then switched to biathlon. I remember last year in Obertiliak doing one of the races, and I beat Stina Nielsen, who was a famous cross-country skier, switched to biathlon, and she didn't have a very good race. And so I beat her one race, and I was really excited about that. And um, so I made sure to go up to her after the race and kind of introduce myself. I'm sure it was a very brief conversation, but that was pretty exciting for me to kind of see one of those people in a similar position to what I'm in now. Yeah, she's a really great example. You know, it's those little things like that, you know, that you can benchmark yourself with. But yeah, she's a really good example of of someone who made made that switch. To go back to the shooting aspect, what were what were some of the steps that you went through to learn how to shoot? First time with a rifle, you need to adapt that into your cross-country skiing. What were some of the 
methodical steps that you went through to get yourself down the pathway of shooting? I definitely have to go over all of the steps in my brain before I do them. So as I'm skiing up to the range, I'm thinking, okay, I'll take off my poles, put up my glasses, um, flip up the sight covers. I think about all of that before. And I also think about it before I start the race in the warm up. I'm kind of going through what I need to do to prepare. The uh, biathlon strategic plan looking out to 2030 has a number of new and innovative components. And one of the most notable is talent transfer is looking for cross-country skiers who may want to make the switch over to biathlon or try biathlon. What counsel would you give to cross-country skiers who are thinking about, hey, maybe I should give this a try? I definitely feel like it's kind of sweet. It would be sweet to kind of be an ambassador for this transfer. So the Project X group within the biathlon team, which is happening now, is working on that, switching cross-country skiers to biathlon. And so I encourage people to give it a try because it was kind of something that not a lot of people do. And the stigma around biathlon within the U.S. cross-country skiing world is a little... Like, why would you do biathlon if you can cross-country ski? And so trying to change that mentality and um, kind of make a name for myself within both worlds and um, do well in cross-country skiing as well as biathlon is one of my goals. So kind of trying to show that you can do what you want to do and make that change is something that I'm looking forward to do and try to do still now. Well, Margie, you may have a good opportunity to do that this year because your schedule is truly a blended one. Can you kind of walk through your season and what your plans are as we head into the first IBU World Cup? I'm starting the season off with a lot of biathlon. And so after this first World Cup, I'll head back over to America and I'll go onto the Super Tour circuit, which starts off in Alaska. And so I'll compete there. And then at cross-country U.S. nationals in Utah in hopes to qualify for the North American World Cups, namely the Minneapolis World Cup, which would be sweet to do just in home location for me. And that will be happening in February. Maybe I'll do the Berkey after that and then kind of see where the season is for me, Um, whether I do a little more biathlon, which I definitely am inclined to do because it's fun to do something different. I really enjoy doing biathlon. And so I'm hoping to do a little bit more of that in the later season. Do you have any specific plans right now in biathlon? Are you looking at any other IBU cups uh, during the course of the year? Not in the beginning of the season. So it'll kind of have to wait until February to see if I qualify for those U.S. skiing World Cups. Let's just talk about the the World Cups in the U.S., both for on the FIS side and also the IBU side. As you mentioned, there is a FIS World Cup in Minneapolis in February, and that's followed a few weeks later by an IBU World Cup uh, out in Utah. So it's pretty cool to see the sport at its highest level right here in the U.S. this year. Yes, that's really exciting to see um, the community kind of rally around these North American cross-country-based sports. Cool. Uh, I want to close it out and uh, go in a little bit of a different direction, but uh, you have a very defined uh, personal health direction. You're very keen on sustainability, uh, really managing your diet. Can you talk a little bit about the direction that you've taken there, which goes back to when you were a young girl? 
and how that direction has really helped you as an athlete and as a person. My main diet is vegetarian and sometimes even vegan. I found out where chicken nuggets came from when I was about eight years old and I didn't want to eat the little chickens. And so I stopped eating meat from there. And thankfully, my family was very understanding and um, allowed me to pursue this diet. Even as an athlete, I've been able to find options that work for me that don't have meat in them. Um, I like to be vegan, especially when I'm in the U.S. and cooking for myself. It's a lot easier. But if I'm in Europe and the food is a little different and we're getting it catered or whatnot, it's a little harder to follow that vegan diet. But I'm still very mindful of what I eat. I try to be very intuitive about what I eat and I get enough protein somehow. I know that a lot of people worry about vegetarians not getting enough protein, but I just try and get all my nutrients from other ways. And so I, I really like to eat a lot of beans and nuts. And so following that diet isn't hasn't ever been too much of an issue for me, which is good as an athlete. Just just a question, and, and maybe this is a helpful hint for others, but how do you source that protein? Like I said, I have a lot of beans and nuts um, with my meals. I try and get a little source of protein at every meal. And if I don't, I don't stress about it. So that's kind of how I do it. I mean, if I'm just following a vegetarian diet, I'll eat Greek yogurt and um, other dairy forms of protein. Surprisingly, it's not that hard to get a lot of protein. And it seems like even meat eaters sometimes have too much protein in their diets when I've talked to nutritionists about it. You've referenced your family a couple of times. How important has your family been in, in your career? They're extremely supportive of what I'm doing. My parents go to all the races they can do. My mom really loves to volunteer at races and she'll introduce herself and say, hi, I'm Margie's mom. And I love to just see her face smiling, whether it's handing me a bib or grabbing my chip at the end of a race. Um, and my dad's on the sidelines filming, watching, cheering. And my sister still goes out skiing, even though she quit long ago from competitive racing. But she did her first Berkey last year and I was cheering her on the whole way. And so it's really awesome to have a family that supports me in this different kind of career path that I've chosen. Are any of them coming to Oostersund? Uh, they will not be coming uh, to watch me, unfortunately, but they have plans to watch me um, when I'm racing in North America. Bit of a side note, and this one is just personal to me because I have a longstanding uh, engagement with the American Berkebiner, having worked there many years ago. But you were sixth in the Berkey, I think, two years ago. What was that experience like? It was pretty surreal. That was my first Berkey that I'd ever done, even being from the Midwest. And so I was excited to finally experience this race that everybody had been talking about. So I kind of just tried to hang on to the group up top that knew what they were doing and had raced that course many times and definitely fueling for that race was a challenge. I dropped a couple of feeds along the way and had a frozen water bottle, but I made it work somehow and um, was really tired by the end. I imagine that uh, over your time in Minnesota, you've gotten to know Caitlin Gregg, and I, th I think you probably even skied with her during that race. Yes, I have had a lot of experiences with Caitlin Gregg from being a coach to a competitor with her. And that's been really awesome to have um, that female mentorship within the sport. 
Margie, thanks so much for joining us here on Heartbeat. We're going to close it out now with our on-target section, a few short Q&A questions. And just the first one, did you have a role model growing up in Minnesota as a young girl pursuing cross-country skiing? Yes. One of my first coaches in any sort of ski training outside of school was Caitlin Gregg. And so training with her throughout um, early high school and throughout college through the summers was really awesome to have a sweet coach and um, then competitor as I became more competitive in my racing. Um, having Caitlin Gregg there was really awesome, um, especially having that female role model to look up to. Yeah, she's been a role model to many. How about a fun activity that you enjoy outside of skiing? Skiing is a lot of my life, but I've recently picked up uh, mountain biking as a way to kind of challenge my skills a little more. Have you done anything? Have you done any competition? I've done a couple mountain bike races locally in Craftsbury that I've been almost at the end, but I've had a great time doing it, just working on those technical sections. Cool. Who's uh, Who are some of the favorites on your playlist? I listen to a lot of Noah Kahn, Go Vermont, and uh, Zach Bryan. Sweet. How about a memorable experience from your biathlon tour last year? I would say one of the most fun moments was the relay we did in Canmore, I was with Luke Brown and neither of us had done a relay. And so it was our first time and we were pretty nervous and didn't know if we would make it through. We ended up getting lapped, but just having the rest of the team in the in the pen, like reloading our magazines and our spare rounds and having them cheering all the way for us was a pretty awesome experience. Cool. So you're you're new to the sport of biathlon, but have you found a favorite biathlon venue yet? Uh, that's a funny question because when I was in Lenzerheide for my first ever international biathlon race, the the first day that I was out at training before I even stepped on skis, they were interviewing for some Instagram uh, biathlon Instagram Lenzerheide account, and they came up to me and were asking me questions and. That was one of the questions they asked me for this Instagram account. And I didn't even remember where I was in the world. And so I I just said, uh, this one? And so I'm going to have to go with that again and say that the Lenzer Haida, now that I know its name, is my favorite biathlon venue. That's really hilarious. Uh, and then, then lastly, uh, in just one word, what does biathlon mean to you? Fun. And you look like you're having fun. <laughs> I am. I really enjoy trying something new and figuring out uh, a whole new sport. Well, Margie Freed, thank you for joining us on Heartbeat. We'll be rooting for you in Oostersund. Thank you. I'll need it. I first met Margie last January when we gave her a ride from the airport to Antholz on her first biathlon trip to Europe. She is an adventurous athlete who tells her story very well. You can learn more about her on her website, margiefreed.com, or follow her on social media at Margie Freed. Wonderful conversation and hope you enjoyed it uh, as much as I did. We've had some great interviews on Heartbeat this season, including Campbell Wright, Manny Fanoff, Lowell Bailey, new U.S. biathlon leader Jack Gearhart, and a fascinating look at the fluorocarbon ban from Fetty Fontana. Head to your favorite podcast platform to catch past episodes of Heartbeat. Heartbeat is brought to you by U.S. Biathlon and its dedicated team of sponsors. 
A special thanks to Aarons, the King of Snow, Maloya outfitting the U.S. Biathlon team, and Paul Smith's College offering education and sport training in the heart of New York's Olympic region. And a shout out to all of the U.S. Biathlon sponsors, including Maloya, Aarons, Paul Smith's College, Auto Aider, Lapua Ammunition, Rain, Pure Mountain Spring Water, and Polar Beverages. That's it for this episode of Heartbeat. If you can, give us a review and hit the favorite button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes as we continue to tell the stories of the people behind U.S. Biathlon. I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. Thanks again to Margie Freed. We'll see you soon.